Well, we're in the Psalms this morning. So happy Father's Day, and I hope that you have a blessed day. And if you're new or visiting, we're going through the book of Psalms, or the book of Songs, verse by verse. And it's such a blessing to go through it. We had the junior high come back uh, yesterday, and Mr. Fisher broke his arm. What were you, what were you doing? You were playing soccer. But it's not the kids, it's the adults. <laughs> but it was a giant soccer ball? Is that... Yeah. Wow, wow. So, any other broken things? No, just one. Praise God. <laughs> but the kids had a great time. High school came back. So we would just really encourage you to pray for the junior high and high schoolers when they come back from these retreats to be encouraged and strengthened and that they press through in what they received up at the camp, which is read your Bibles, pray, be in fellowship, hang out with like-minded believers like we talk about on Sunday morning. So please be in prayer for the next generation, that they would stay focused on what they learn. Well, we're in Psalm 18. Father, we just thank you and praise you for this morning. We thank you for all you're doing in our midst. We are so blessed in so many ways. We thank you most of all, again, for just being a great dad, a great father. And as your word says, we can actually call you Abba in total reverence because you are our heavenly father and so we just bring our lives to you this morning young elderly married single we we bring our lives to you and say father your will be done this morning fill us with your holy spirit that we might be more like jesus at the end of this day than we are right now we thank you for your word and we can We can get inspiration through your word. So even use that this morning in our lives, wherever we may be, whatever the situation may be, the fears, the anxieties, the frustrations, the guilt, the condemnation, the joy, whatever the case may be, Father, minister to us individually this morning as well as corporately. We need you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, Psalm 18, it's it's the longest psalm that is identified as being written by David, by David. We know Psalm 119 is the longest, but and David is attributed to that, but he doesn't have his name on it. This psalm, he has his name on it, and it is the longest. It was written after King Saul died in battle, and King Saul was the first king of Israel. David became the second king. And he probably wrote it during his early reign in Hebron, where he was king for seven and a half years, as you read the word. You see, the Lord had given him peace from his enemies, which was predominantly King Saul, unfortunately. And now David was able to look back at God's protection over the last ten years or so. Roughly, it's believed that David was fleeing from King Saul for ten years. And even though he has been through so many trials, he knew that God had a plan, and here he was, finally, after all of those years, starting to see the fruition of that plan. Now, also within this psalm, we will see that David blended worship and witness, giving praise to the Lord by pointing out God's faithfulness. So worship and witness as well. So Psalm 18, to the chief musician... A song of David, because the Psalms are songs. So a song, a psalm, 
a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spoke to the Lord the words of this song. On the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. We'll love you. Those three words in the Hebrew, it means to have mercy, to have compassion, to have tender affection. Notice that Paul is addressing God here. Not another human being, but he's speaking, he's singing directly to God. And this is an amazing statement when you think about this. Just opening up, this is an amazing statement. Think about the years. Think about the years of disappointments. I'm going to be king. But yet I have to flee Jerusalem. I have to flee the comforts of my home. I have to leave my wife, who is the daughter of King Saul. I have to leave my wife behind. Everything that I have, gone. I have to run because King Saul desires to kill me. Major disappointment. Of loneliness. Initially, he started out all alone. The very army that he was ruling over was now going to be pursuing him after so much time. So loneliness. Being totally uncomfortable. Again, having to run for his very life. Would you think that God was on your side? Ten years of this. You know, after the first month, okay, God, what's going on? I thought I was supposed to be king. The first year, what's the problem? First five years. You see, this is very relatable to us as we go through our problems, as we go through our situations, as we go through things that come into our lives, our trials and tribulations. Oftentimes we can just look at these people and think, well, you know, they're just super saints. Like we have superheroes, they were super saints. They never had any problems. They had major problems. David had major problems. Would you think that God was answering your prayers? I think most of us would not. Here's the question for the first verse. Would you still love God? Would you still love God even after everything that you've been through? And you might be sitting here this morning. And this question is very applicable to you this morning. You might be harboring bitterness right now, right now this morning in your own heart against God. Because He's disappointed you, He's let you down, He hasn't answered prayers. Whatever it might be, this psalm is very important for you this morning. God is speaking to you. God loves you. And God has His perfect timing as we're going to see. But this is a question that we have to ask ourselves at time. Would I, would I still love God? Would I still be able to say after 10 years... I will love you, O Lord, my strength. My strength. You see, what David expresses here could seem so contrite, because, you know, the word love is so thrown around so much today. 
But when you think of the bigger issues of his last 10 years, this was a huge statement. Huge statement. I will, as we've mentioned in the, over the previous weeks, David commanded himself, I will love you. And again, this is a problem that we're seeing in America as well as in the church. Marriage is falling apart. Couples coming in and saying, well, I've fallen out of love. I'll tell them straight up, no, you didn't fall out of love. You, you never fell in love. It's impossible to fall in love. You fell into lust, maybe, but you didn't fall in love. Because love is a commitment. It's not about feelings. It's about facts. I love you. Till death do us part. Now, I know there are scenarios, so there's no guilt or condemnation here. I know it takes two sides. And there's all kinds of scenarios, so don't worry about that. Just listen to the point. Love is a fact. It's not a feeling. Heavenly feelings will come, and there will be feelings of emotions, but don't base your life or your marriage or your relationship with your children, everything else, on feelings. It's about facts. You see, God's lack of timeliness didn't negate his love. That's important for us to remember. God's lack of timeliness. Why didn't you answer my prayer nine years ago? Five years ago? Why did it take ten years? Because it was God's timing, not David's. And why isn't your prayer been answered? Why hasn't my prayer been answered? We have prayers that haven't been answered. I'm no different. I don't have a direct line. Just like you. I have to wait on God's timing. And be faithful with what God has given me to do. You see, David understood God's great love for him. And he's going to express it with various metaphors here in these verses. Notice this. My rock. My fortress. He's not saying your rock, your fortress. It's personal. After ten years of trials and tribulations, he still says, My rock. My fortress. My deliverer. My God. Notice that. My God. My strength. My shield. My salvation. My stronghold. You see, now that David has moved from the wilderness experience to his new life in Hebron, he uses the word fortress. And now Hebron was a physically safe place, secure within Israel's borders. But God remained his ultimate fortress. You see, God had and will continue to help keep him safe. Because we build our own little fortresses here on this earth. And we can find our security, especially for ladies. They can find their security in that home. And when the home is taken away for whatever reason or something goes wrong within the home, their security can be challenged. And insecurity can start to creep in. No, it's about God is my fortress. God is my security. The shield speaks of God's protective hand over David's life. You know, his wilderness experience was hard and very intimidating at times, being chased not by a few thousands of warriors, being surrounded. Yet God kept him safe through it all. The horn, as we read this, speaks of strength. And the stronghold is associated with a high tower, something that you and I, something that they could run to, a retreat, a place of defense. You see, David uses these various metaphors to speak of God's deliverance and strength in his life. 
And we can look at others and go, well, they're so strong. They're so confident. They're so, they're so secure. Why? And we'll often say, why? And if you take the time to listen to that person and really ask that person why, if they're sold out for the Lord, they're going to tell you why. Because I trust in the Lord. I trust in his word. I've been through the trials. I've been through the tribulations. And I go back to his word. I go back to God. I go back to what God has trained me up to do. Trust in him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what they're going to say. But oftentimes we don't take the time to ask them because we don't want to bother them. Or we think, well, it's just they just had an easy life. That's why they're that way. They don't have any problems. No, we all have problems. And due to David's problems, David will continue to call upon God because God proved himself. That might sound kind of weird to you. Does God have to prove himself? No. God is God. But God did prove himself faithful. And David was wise enough to pay attention to that. And David had come to understand that God would save him from all of his enemies. So I have a couple questions for us. Have you seen God's deliverance in your life? Have you seen God's deliverance in your life? And oftentimes we can say, oh yeah. Then don't forget that. Don't forget it. If he delivered you once, he'll deliver you twice. If he delivered you twice, he'll deliver you the third time. He will continue to deliver you. But oftentimes the enemy wants us to forget that God delivered us back then so that we get in the moment, the fleshly moment, and forget about God and His faithfulness, His strength. Do you consider God? Again, this is an important question for you and for me as well, for every believer. Do you consider God to be faithful? Now we can say God is faithful. We can say it. It's in the Word. God is faithful. It's easy to say. But do you literally believe it? Do you literally believe it? That God is faithful in dealing with your life. Because if you really believe it, you will turn your life over to Him 100%. And that is very hard to do. None of us like to do that. Nobody likes to do that. 100%? How about 90 can't God be happy with just 90% of, percent of me? Well, God's happy no matter what. Are you happy is the question. And if you give yourself 100% over, even through that fear factor, as you give yourself over, you're going to realize that, yeah, God can take care of 100% of you. He can take care of your finances. He can take care of your children. He's been doing this, guys, for 6,000 years. He's got plenty of practice. He knows the heart of every issue which I don't know, and you don't know, but God knows. So again, can God take care of you? Absolutely. Has God been faithful? Absolutely. Process that we have to work through on a regular basis, giving things back to God. David did so, and he proclaims, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Ten years. Ten years of running and fleeing. Not having any of the modern conveniences that we have today. None of them. But yet he still says, he is worthy to be praised. Verse 4, the pains of death surrounded me. The floods of ungodliness made me afraid. Now again, as we read these verses, David is making reference to death because it was very, very real for him. 
Very real for him. As I've already mentioned, thousands of warriors were surrounding him at certain times during those 10 years. They were called by Saul and Saul was going to make sure that they killed David. So they were hunting David. This isn't like hypothetical, well, you know, I was kind of afraid I might die the other day driving down the freeway. That's very possible. The way people drive, sometimes we do need to be afraid. But this is reality. David was surrounded by warriors who were willing to take his life. The floods of ungodliness made me afraid. Notice this, the Bible doesn't sugarcoat people. David had emotions. David was afraid, a mighty warrior himself. He killed Goliath. He was afraid himself. But yet he took control of those emotions. And he kept pressing on looking to the Lord. The sorrows of Sheol or Hades or hell surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. He was trying to be trapped over and over and over again. In my distress, here's the key as he's going through these things. What did David do? In my distress, I called upon the Lord. I called upon the Lord. And oftentimes, when things are all said and done, we'll say to somebody, well, I guess I should pray about it. And that's when it's all said and done. Well, I guess I should pray about it. At the end? No, no, we should be praying about it in the very beginning. We pray about it in the beginning and then allow God to use His Word, allow God to use other people, allow God to do whatever He's going to do to show us, this is where I want you to go, but being in prayer first. And David says, in my distress, not after my distress, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from His temple in heaven. And again, for you and I, it's so hard because we can envision God and depending on how you were raised, God might be very, very distant. He's very far away. You know, I was raised in a religion where God was very distant and very busy. God was so busy that we had all these other saints that we could pray to because God was so busy. So as you're raised in that, that, get, that develops a mentality in your mind. Well, God's too busy, so I lost something, so I'm going to pray to so-and-so to help me find it. Why not go directly to God? Because he's busy. Well, how big's your God? That's what it comes down to. How big is your God? He can hear your prayer. Well, I don't want to bother him with that. Bother him. Do some debugging of the program. Since when are you a bother to God? Maybe you were a bother to your earthly father. You are never a bother to the heavenly father. Never, ever a bother. So maybe you need to do some debugging of the program. Well, I don't want to bother him. It's such a small thing. No, no, no. Bug him. Bother him. Because it's not. He loves to hear from you. And David said, he heard my voice from his temple, from heaven. David lifted up his voice. And my cry came before him, even to his ears. Notice that. David's prayers didn't fall on deaf ears. But it goes back to God's timing, as I mentioned earlier. It's just like a joke, and I'm not good at jokes. That's why I don't do jokes. I'm not good at stories up here. I just like teaching the Bible. So if you're looking for a comedian, wrong church. I just like the Bible. But it's like a joke where the timing of the punchline is crucial. 
So God's timing is crucial in our maturing process. Ten years in the wilderness was crucial for David's maturing process. Where are you? Maybe in the wilderness. A month? Six months? A couple years? Where are you? Where am I? Maybe you're not in the wilderness. Maybe it's a joyful season. Praise God. But get ready for the next season because it might just come. And where will you be? Who will you turn to? What will you turn to? It's so easy to turn to drugs or to alcohol or to another person thinking that that's going to fill the void. That's going to make me happy. It never works. Ever. Ask any mature Christian if it ever worked. And they will tell you 100% of the time, it never, ever worked. But I fell for it. They will admit that. So for you and I, guys, we need to continually go back. You know, 1 Corinthians 10.13, we have a slide for it. And I'm just going to read it out of the NLT. So most of you probably have this memorized. But I, I, I wanted to read it out of the NLT, New Living Translation. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And again, the enemy loves to do that. Oh, you're the only one going through this. Don't ask for prayer because people are going to look really weird at you because nobody else has ever thought that way. Nobody else has gone through that before. You are isolated. You're alone. You are unique in Christianity. Forget it. You're not. You're not at all. Been there, done that. Maybe not me personally, but there have been plenty of other people that have been there and done that. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. Whether it's a temptation or whether it's a trial, God is always there. And He has a set time. Galatians. Let's look at Galatians real quick. This just popped into my mind. Galatians... Oh, boy. Chapter 6, I think it is. I hope it's there. Galatians 6, uh, 8 and 9, 10. He who sows to his flesh will the flesh reap corruption. He who sows to the Spirit will the Spirit reap everlasting life. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Those words, due season there, are a specific measure of time. For in due season. I don't want to see a show of hands, but I'll just ask the question as it's popping to my mind. Maybe you can look back. How many of us quit? Maybe a day or a week or a month before God came through. But we can look back and go, man, I quit. And I shouldn't have quit. Because he did answer me. He did come through. It wasn't God. It was me. And you can look back and think, man, if I just would have remained faithful, if I just would have remained steadfast, if I would have just... And God was faithful. I think we, as believers, we can all do that. We can look back and go, you know, God was faithful. It was me. It was I who stopped short, not God. So guys, don't stop. Press through. Back in Psalm 18, 
Now David just starts to express very dramatically and graphically God's deliverance. And and how he expresses himself so many distinctive thoughts is just amazing to me. I, I don't even, it's just amazing. And I think that he is taking his hearing of the scriptures. Again, remember, he's writing the scriptures. And not like, it's not like he had the Old Testament on his lap. He's inspiring. He's being inspired to write the word of God. So, he, But he's heard the first five books of the Bible in his, raise, in his upbringing. His life experiences of being a shepherd, being out in the wilderness as a youth as well as a warrior, and the life experiences of, the, of others. And he weaves them all together and listen to how he expresses himself now. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of the hills also quaked and were shaken because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down with darkness under his feet. And he rode upon a cherub and flew. He flew upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his secret place. His canopy around him was dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. From the brightness before him, his thick clouds passed with hailstones and coals of fire. The Lord thundered from heaven and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. He sent out his arrows and scattered the foe, lightnings in abundance. And he vanquished them. Then the channels of the sea were seen. The foundations of the world were uncovered. At your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. That last verse there, I personally think he is speaking of deliverance from Egypt with Moses and the children of Israel. The miraculous, which even to this day people denied happened. It was the sea of reeds that the Israelites went through, not the Red Sea. Now, the Sea of Reeds is about 18 inches deep. So logically, it makes a whole lot more sense that the people went through the Sea of Reeds. They went through the Sea of Reeds. That's even more of a miracle that they went through the Sea of Reeds because as you read the Bible, the whole Egyptian army drowned. Yeah, just think it through. They weren't smart enough to lift up their head and breathe. They drowned in 18 inches of water. That's a really big miracle. Especially when you're on a chariot. No, it's called the Red Sea. They literally went through the Red Sea. How big's your God? Maybe you're here this morning, you don't even believe in God. Maybe that whole story is a big joke to you. It won't be a joke when you stand in front of them. Because the Bible says everyone will bend their knee. Everyone will see God. And you will be accountable even for this day what you heard. That God is a God of miracles. That God sent his son to die for you. That God loves you. And that God desires a relationship with you. You're now accountable for that, what you just heard. What you do with it is between you and God. Not you, me and God. You and God. He sent from above in verse 16. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. David here is speaking about God. He delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me. Speaking specifically of King Saul. For they were too strong for me. 
they could have easily overwhelmed David and his men. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. The Lord was my support. He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. You see, David had many physical battles of which you and I, we don't typically have. But when we think of our spiritual enemy, the devil, Lucifer, Satan, we know that he is too strong for us. And it's a spiritual battle that you and I are in on a regular basis. And yet we can read the last part of this verse, of verse 19, and know that God delights in his children. If you're a son, if you're a daughter of God, you're one of his children. And he does truly delight in you. And he will deliver every believer. You see, the enemy hates the believer. Think about this. Because he knows that if every believer turns to God, and there's there's the key right there, that little word, if. We don't have to turn to God. We can turn away from God. We can go our own way. But if we turn to God, that God would deliver every believer. Think about the enemy here. Think about the enemy of our soul. Wouldn't that frustrate you? If you were trying to get someone, and every time you got a little bit closer to getting that individual, he got delivered. This is King Saul trying to get David. Every time Saul got close to him, David would get delivered somehow, some way. Even on two situations, David could have killed King Saul, and he didn't. God still delivered David out of King Saul's life. God will deliver you. If we turn to him and the enemy gets so frustrated at that. But yet God does deliver us if we turn to him again. Remember what David is saying here. I turned to him. I turned to him. I turned to him. Ten years. I turned to him. Don't give up, guys. Whatever you're going through, do not give up. Stay focused. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. Now, David is not trying to be self-righteous here. I believe what he's referencing is what I just spoke of. Two times David could have killed Saul, and he didn't. David was right with God. Thou shall not murder. He was right with God. According to the cleanness of my hands, he has recompensed me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his judgments were before me. I did not put away his statutes from me. I was also blameless before him and I kept myself from my iniquity. Therefore, the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. As we do right things for God, as we're right with God, the Bible clearly teaches us that God will honor us. And I just find this amazing. We've got a few scriptures but a specific scripture, John twelve twenty six here. That is just so amazing. Jesus says, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Let that sink in. If anyone serves me, And how do we serve God, by the way? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing good within me. 
So even as I serve God, I'm asking for more of the Holy Spirit all morning long. As I've prepared all week and even this morning, I don't get up here going, oh boy, I got it all together. Boy, they're going to love this teaching. I'm praying all morning, Lord, give me strength, Lord. Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me strength. Lord, use me for your glory. Lord, change anything you want to change. That is my prayer life on Sunday morning, guys. Every Sunday morning, that's what I'm praying for. God, just give me strength. Help me through this. Help me to be that vessel that you want me to be. I can't do it on my own. How about you? And if anyone serves him, him my Father will honor. That's amazing that God would honor us. Frail little vessels. But that's what God is proclaiming here. You can find other verses in 1 Samuel 2.30 and Psalm 91.15, as well as others. I just put a few out there for you to realize that God does honor you. So honor Him. Serve Him with all your might. With the merciful, you will show yourself merciful in Psalm 18.25. With the blameless man, you will show yourself blameless. The word merciful here can also be translated kind or gracious. Are you kind? Are you gracious? Are you merciful? Upright and blameless here is translated complete, whole, or entire. You see, when you and I allow God to complete the work that He has begun, we'll become more mature in the faith. Just a little bit of biblical maturity. Because you might think, well, I'm not very mature in the faith. Just a little bit of biblical maturity each and every day will bring forth an abundant harvest throughout our lifetime. But are you going to start? Am I going to start? Are we going to start? Again, so often we look at other people and we think, oh, I don't want to be like them. They didn't get there. Billy Graham did not get to where he was. He had to first work very slowly, allowing the Lord to break him, to mold him, to shape him, day after day after day. You pick any famous Christian and you look at their lives and they were broken. They were broken. They were broken over a period of time. With the pure, you will show yourself pure. With the devious, you will show yourself shrewd. You cannot outsmart God, in other words. Well, I'm going to do something and God will never know. (laughs) You cannot outsmart God. God knows. For you will save the humble people. You will bring down haughty looks or those who are prideful. You will bring them down. Pure means to cleanse or to make right. You see, if we fight against God, God will be against us and we will always lose that battle. Always. But if we surrender and seek after purity, eliminating sin in our lives, because that is our responsibility, guys. Young people, you just some of you just went to camp and you heard about things. Older saints. Sometimes when we get older, we think that we can just retire. Let me ask you a question. Does the enemy ever retire? You're in your 70s. Does the enemy go, they're in their 70s. I'm not going to pick on them anymore. They're too old. They're too feeble. They won't be able to fight. No, he's going to really come at you. If that's your mentality, if you're not in your word, if you're in your 70s and you're not reading your Bible, well, you know, I've been there, done that, I read it twice, that's enough for me. You're in for a hurt with the enemy. No matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, you need to be in the word of God. Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You see, David saw the salvation of God, while Saul found himself trapped 
in his own deception. Again, think big. This is after David was delivered from King Saul. Saul was into his own deception. He thought that he was serving God. But the scriptures clearly teach us that he wasn't. David, though, was seeking after God. Because God can make straight any crooked path. But he can also remove his hand from our lives and allow us to follow after that crooked path. You see, these verses give us that contrast between King Saul and King David. You see, King David continued... King Saul, sorry, continued to move away from God and his outward life showed it. How about for you and me? Just do your own evaluation. Don't look around you. Don't think, oh boy, this applies to somebody I know. No, no, no. How about you? King Saul continued to move away from God, even though he was still king. And his outward life showed it. While King David's inward life was showing forth God's attributes. Even though King David didn't have everything was in the wilderness for 10 years, inside was showing forth godly attributes. King Saul had everything and he was moving further away from God. How about for you? How about for me? Do we have enough money now where we're content with our lives? We don't need God anymore or we don't need God as much? Guys, be ever so careful. Verse 28 Psalm 18, for you will light my lamp. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop. By my God I can leap over a wall. Again, David was able to look back and see that God directed his path to the kingdom and through the power of God, that is exactly what David accomplished. Verse 30, as for God, his way is perfect. That word perfect there means complete or entire complete or entire in other words god doesn't make mistakes as for god his way is perfect the word of the lord is proven the word proven there means tested true sure he is a shield to all who trust in him you see if we base our lives on the word of god the word of god will always protect us notice this as for god his way is perfect and again for you young people everything that you're having to go through now it's just it's just grieving and it's mind-boggling what you all have to go through then your next if you if you live to be 56 years old i'm 57 i'm on my way out i can just grieving but everything that's starting to come upon the young people. Guys, we've got to be praying for our young people. Just the bizarreness of this world. Just totally bizarre. But if you ask a millennial, and a millennial is someone from 18 to 29, if transgenderism is okay, if you ask the average millennial, why not? What's, what's wrong with dressing like a woman? I feel like a woman today. I'm going to dress like a woman. Really? That's, that's normal. Yeah, that's, that's just normal. And in their culture and in their life now, guys, if you're reading the news at all, you're realizing that it is becoming the norm. Satan wants to push that on this generation because they're going to be the future leaders. So when we're in our 70s, 80s, 90s, really old and out of date, and all these New normal people are now in their 30s, 40s, and 50s, passing all kinds of laws to the new norm. 
Are we, are, is this real or am I way off base? This is the days we're living in, guys. And most churches don't talk about this stuff because it's not politically correct. It's not socially correct. People aren't going to come back. We don't want to offend anybody. I want to love people. And if you're struggling with that, we love you. Come to Christ and let Christ get it straight. There's no confusing the issue. There's male and females. That's bottom line. But the enemy wants to confuse the next generation. To bring more confusion into our whole culture, into our whole society. Guys, we're in desperate days. Pray for our youth. And get involved with our youth. Because they are having to fight a battle that you and me have never had to fight. But we have to fight it now. Because it's our grandkids that we have to fight for. Personally speaking. We have ten grandkids. It's our grandkids that we have to fight for now. Because they have to listen to this nonsense over and over and over again. Well, we're going to take them the word of God over and over and over again. And love on them and let them know, no, there's no confusion. There's no confusion. This is the way it is. Don't be confused. You don't have to be confused. See, if you push confusion enough, people will be confused. Verse 31. For who is God except the Lord? There is only one God. And who is a rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of deer. He sets me on high places. He teaches my hands to make war so my arms can bend the bow of bronze. David is just proclaiming. He's not encouraging war, but he is proclaiming that God has been his all in his all. The word perfect here. The word perfect means complete. Let's look at Colossians chapter 2. Colossians 2, 10 through 6. Uh, 6 through 10, sorry. A little dyslexic here this morning. Colossians 2, 6 through 10. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and vain deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of this world, and not according to Christ. I just shared about that. That's what they're trying to do to within this next generation. For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him. Your entire, your whole, who is the head of all principality and power. Look at Ephesians 5.18. Ephesians 5.18. Well, how can I become complete in Him? What should I do? Maybe you're a young believer. Maybe you just came back from the camp. And you're on an emotional high. That emotional high is going to disappear in the next few weeks. And you have to do the practical thing. You have to do the real thing. Ephesians 5.18 says this. And do not be drunk with wine. Which is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit. Notice that Spirit is capital S. That's Holy Spirit. For every believer in this room, be filled there. The word filled in the Greek grammar is continuous repetitious action. It's not a one-time thing. Oh, I went up on the mountain. Oh, I can't wait till next year's retreat. It was just so wonderful up there. No, no, no. You get in the Word today, young ones. You get in the Word today and tomorrow and the next day. Older saints, every day, every day, every day. And be filled with the Spirit in the situation, asking for more of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill me. Give me strength, Holy Spirit. Back in the Psalms. 
You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Music team, you guys can come on up. Your right hand has held me up. Your gentleness has made me great. You enlarged my path under me, so my feet did not slip. Notice what David is proclaiming. He's just looking to God, looking to God, proclaiming God's goodness. God, you're faithful. God, you're faithful. And at the same time, he is worshiping God. I have pursued my enemies and overtaken them. Neither did I turn back again till they were destroyed. I have wounded them so that they could not rise. They have fallen under my feet. For you have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. You have also given me the necks of my enemies so that I have destroyed those who hated me. They cried out, but there was none to save. Even to the Lord. But he did not answer them. Saul. David's saying, even if they cried out to the Lord because they weren't sold out for the Lord, they weren't on fire for the Lord. God's not going to answer them. Then I beat them as fine as the dust before the wind. I cast them out like dirt in the streets. You have delivered me from the strivings of the people. You have made me the head of the nations. A people I have not known shall serve me. As soon as they hear of me, they obey me. The foreigners submit to me. The foreigners fade away and come frightened from their hideouts. And this look took place. This literally took place in the life of David. David and Israel conquered so much land. And they still want to divide it today. No. David conquered the land and the foreigners were fearful of him. So he wraps it up with this. The Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. It is God who avenges me and subdues the people under me. He delivers me from my enemies. You also lift me up above those who rise up against me. You have delivered me from the violent man. Again, most likely referencing King Saul. Therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles. Notice that. The Jew and the Gentile. And sing praises to your name. Great deliverance he gives to his king and shows mercy to his anointed, to David and his descendants forevermore. Forevermore. Blessed. In verse 46, the Lord lives. Blessed is my rock. Blessed be my rock. The word blessed there means to kneel. To kneel. And kneeling takes humility. So let me ask you one final question. Are you ready to kneel before God? Are you ready to kneel before God? I'm not saying necessarily here this morning, come up, kneel on the platform in front of everybody. In the privacy of your own home, in the privacy of your own life, are you willing to kneel before God? In the privacy of your own heart, because that takes humility. That takes humility. Not a show for someone else to see, but just you and God getting down on your knees in that humble, broken state and saying, yes, God, break me. I need you. I need more of your Holy Spirit so that I might get through this trial. And if this trial is another 10 years, then so be it. Guys, this is what we did when when Claudia found out she had cancer. We got on our knees and we thanked God. And we said, God, you have a plan. You have a purpose. You're going to bring us through this. And here we are on the other side of it. But we didn't wait to get to the other side. We started then. Start wherever you are. Whatever trial, tribulation you're in. Today, get on your knees. Humble yourself. And allow God to do his work in your life. 
And he will. He will. But you have to do your part first. Father, we thank you and praise you that you are a deliverer. And that doesn't mean you always take the trial away. But you are with us in the trial. And that makes all the difference in the world. Father, we thank you and praise you that we can come to you and pray any time of the day, anywhere. That we can lift up anything. We don't have to be ashamed or embarrassed or that we're bothering you. We can come to you and proclaim your goodness and your faithfulness. Lord, we pray for this next generation and what is pressing in upon them. Just the vileness, just downright vileness that the enemy is trying to put into their minds to confuse them. Father, we pray against the confusion. Put a hedge of protection around their minds. For your, your word says that you are not the author of confusion. That's of the devil. But you give us a sound mind to know right from wrong. Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit and help us to stay in your word whatever comes our way. As David here proclaims, you are our rock. Lord, help us to continually put our feet on the rock and to remain steadfastly planted on the rock no matter what comes our way. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen. Why don't we all stand, guys? God bless you. Have a great day. If you need prayer, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. If I offended you, come on up. We'll pray about it. If I challenge you, praise God. Take it seriously. God bless you guys. Have a great week. VBS, please pray for VBS. We're going to sing the last verse. Good, good Father. Love so undeniable. So undeniable, I, I can hardly speak. So unexplainable, I, I can hardly think as you call. Deeper still as you call. Deeper still as you come Deeper still into love Love, love your good, good father To you are, to you are, to you are And I'm loved by you To who I am, to who I am to who I am, your good, good Father. To you are, to you are, to you are, and I'm loved by you. To who I am, to who I am, to who I am, your good.
Amen. Amen.